How are you feeling today? There'll be a range of answers to that question in the room and online. But I suspect a number of you may have answered with a word including, like, stressed, anxious. And if you did, then you certainly would not be alone. Cultural commentator and pastor Mark Sayers recently wrote this, if there is one word that captures the emotional mood of our day, it is anxiety. And I think it's a very fair assessment of the times that we're in. In the last two and a half years, you know, um, this devastating global pandemic has had a huge impact, especially upon young people. Their schooling was wrecked and uh, all sorts of things. The outbreak of war in Ukraine, the ever-advancing cost of living crisis. And so it's not surprising that according to one study, the prevalence of anxiety among young adults in the UK has tripled in the last 10 years. Tripled, peaking during the height of COVID. And even if uh, you're someone who wouldn't necessarily consider yourself an anxious person, we all know the stresses and strains which come uh, one way or another. Life throws things at us, doesn't it? which causes concern. And we can so easily find ourselves worrying and getting anxious and losing sleep and feeling a bit stressed out. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe there's an issue going on in your life which is robbing you of joy, that's making you anxious. There are small things and larger things among us here. Perhaps you're about to drive to France and uh, you're hearing on the news today that Dover and Folkestone are absolutely gridlocked. You probably have every right to be anxious if you're going to France right now. Perhaps you've lost your job. Try as you have, you've not managed to find another. Maybe you're worried about the cost of living crisis with your energy bills. You cannot believe how they're skyrocketing and your weekly food shop is following suit. And maybe you're wondering how you're going to be able to make ends meet. Maybe you're facing significant health problems, even a life-threatening illness. Some of you perhaps are deeply troubled by something which is going on in your family. Maybe you're a parent of someone whose life is a bit of a mess. Uh, perhaps it's your marriage that you have concerns about. Or maybe you're having perhaps conflict in some other relationship. That can be hard. I know that feeling. I'm actually experiencing a relational strain with someone who I greatly value right now. And the concern just whirs in the background of my mind, disturbing my equilibrium. Now, maybe there is nothing notably anxiety-producing going on in your life today, but you can still relate to the experience of getting stressed by the ongoing impact of little things which threaten your peace of mind. If you're not experiencing anything stressful right now, it probably means that you have done very recently or, sorry to say, you're just about to, okay? It's just a fact of life. These anxiety-producing situations and experiences are part of living in a fallen world. And while anxiety does seem to be a defining uh, feature of our age, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said this to his disciples. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Not the most uplifting little uh, sentence, is it really? And try as I might, I've never found a fridge magnet with just that little piece on it. In this world, you will have trouble. But the good news is, in the very next sentence, Jesus says this. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
Take heart. Jesus is bigger than whatever trouble comes your way. And there is in Jesus a peace which can carry us through the most difficult troubles of life. When I think of anxiety-producing situations in the Bible, there are a lot of them to choose from, but I'm drawn back to the Apostle Paul, called by God to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the nations beyond the Jewish people, the Gentiles. The book of Acts and some of his letters recount some of the things he had to deal with. Just incredible. He was imprisoned. He was flogged almost to death. He was beaten with rods. He was pelted with stones until they thought he was dead. And traveling, you know, to to share the gospel in that ancient world was really no picnic. Not only was he shipwrecked three times, left without food and water, he goes on in a list, which he's writing in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 26, he says this, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. In short, Paul had been in some pretty dangerous situations. And so his life, if you compare it to my life, or indeed probably to many of your lives, you know, it was pretty full of trouble. And we might therefore expect Paul to have been a really anxious person, just stressed out most of the time. But as we will see, he was not an anxious person. Somehow anxiety didn't grip him in the way that it grips so many. Paul was arrested, he was taken to Rome where he awaited a decision on whether he would be executed or not, which ultimately he was. One of the letters he wrote from jail was to the church in Philippi. This is a church that he had a great affection for and which faced troubles of its own and persecutions of its own. And although this letter is written in prison, where Paul is potentially facing death, where his opposers were attacking his work, and after 20 years of hard traveling as a missionary, Philippians is a letter full of joy. I really would encourage you to read it Read it right through. Read it in one go. It doesn't take very long. It's a beautiful letter to read, and it only takes a few minutes. And Paul mentions, as you look through the letter to the Ephesians, trouble being stirred up for him and a struggle that he's having in chapter 1. He mentions an anxiety-producing situation in chapter 2. He mentions his tears in chapter 3. So evidently, life is pretty tough for him. But he writes this, in chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Live life full of joy. Now perhaps the main thing which would stop us from living a life full of joy, from rejoicing, would be anxiety about the things that we're going through. And he goes on to address that in the next verse. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Notice he doesn't say don't be anxious about small problems, just reserve your anxiety for things which really do warrant it. He says don't be anxious about anything. The International Standard Version translates this, never worry about anything. Now of course, as we think about worrying, we do need to think about situations. We do need, you know, with things that concern us, we do need to um, engage with them. 
things which, you know, possible outcomes in our minds we've got to turn over so we can approach the, the future thoughtfully. And some situations will provoke an emotional response in us. Perhaps if we're waiting to hear the news of a diagnosis of a loved one or of ourself or thinking about our job security or we've got concerns about a child or about a parent, we do need to think about those things and engage with those thoughts. That's not the same as worry. He's not wanting to turn us into this guy that we shouldn't have care or concern, you know, just pretending. Just gonna, no, so Paul said, don't worry about anything, so I'm not going to even think about it. Just being blind to troubling situations where we do need to think about a problem, we do need to be thoughtful, we do need to take action. But being anxious and worrying is more about that churning over and over of a concern in a way that actually doesn't get any traction, doesn't achieve anything beyond simply robbing us of peace. Now, we might be tempted to kind of dismiss Paul's exhortation here as the idealistic writing of a saint uh, who's sort of naively overstating his case until we just think back to who I was just talking about, Paul, right? This guy, what he was experiencing. Of all the biblical writers, Paul is among the most qualified to write such a thing and comment about anxiety. Someone had been through so many situations which make our situations really seem quite insignificant and whose current experience, as he wrote this letter, was, uh, was difficult, tells us never worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. It's like, wow, you got our attention now, Paul. How do we do that? How do we not worry about anything? In this stressful and awful situation that I'm experiencing today, how on earth can I find the freedom from anxiety that you're talking about here? Well, Paul's answer continues here in verse six. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Not just those extreme situations we just don't know how we're going to get through. Not just those little situations which we think maybe we could just, you know, have a chat with God because they're so minor. But every situation, it doesn't matter what it is, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul has told us what not to do. Don't be anxious or worry about anything. And now he tells us what we are to do, present our requests to him to God, to talk with him about everything and anything that might cause us to be anxious. Paul didn't shy away from the reality of troubles. You know, he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he told the church there, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. But he also said, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. When we're tempted to bottle up what's going on, to try and get through on our own, or just share with friends who can empathize with us and to a great extent leave God out of the picture with the exception of the occasional brief prayer, he says, don't do that. In every situation, include the Lord in what's happening by prayer and petition. Prayer means talking to God, includes listening to God. Petition means asking him for help. Present your request to God, did you notice, with something, with thanksgiving. Why does Paul pop that little word in there, thanksgiving? I think it's because as we express our gratitude to God for prayers he's answered in the past, as we recall those, as we express our thanks to God for all the things in our life which actually are going well, it realigns our perspective. 
just puts our light and momentary troubles in perspective. This stressful situation may be threatening to consume all of our waking thoughts, but thank God we, we, are, we can get to sleep, you know, and you know, we're still breathing, we're relatively healthy, we have loved ones, and ultimately we are saved for eternity. As the very old song said, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. So thank the Lord. Yes, thank the Lord for all his love. If you're new to faith or you're new to prayer, it might feel kind of alien. You're not sure, how do I actually do this prayer? Do I need to learn some prayers or do I need to read some prayers? Maybe feeling a bit alien. But even those of us who have been Christians you know, for many years might go through times when it, it feels difficult to pray, especially when we're going through a hard time and our emotions can get the better of us. But prayer, Paul says, but by prayer and petition. And so I found a piece of advice from Pete Gregg, who is a pastor and founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. I found it really, really helpful in a lovely little book he wrote on prayer. Three things to remember with prayer. Basically, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. We don't have to use particularly spiritual language. If the only words we have are, God, please help me in this situation, that's okay. Keep it simple. And we don't need to hide how we're feeling from God. Don't need to be on our best behavior. You know, we can be utterly real with him. We see that modeled so powerfully, don't we, through the Psalms of the Old Testament. We don't need to talk in a certain way. We can just keep it absolutely real unedited with him and thirdly keep it up Paul says you know pray as often as you can pray in every situation keep it simple keep it real and keep it up we're exhorted to take our troubles to him we can blurt it all out we can say it like it is we can cry in his arms and we can ask him for anything that we need and when we've done that we can leave the burden with him. 44 years ago, in the summer of 1978, I was a student and I worked for the summer holidays for the local council as a labourer in the highways department. And they would take a number of students on and instead of sensibly spreading us out among the eight or ten crews that they had, instead they just gave my mate the keys and we were the student crew and we were given our work to go, go off and do for the day and uh, they'd just send off, uh, us off around the district and we would cut grass, we would hack through overgrown footpaths, all that sort of thing. And at the end of each day, before we could knock off, we had to empty the grass and the branches and the earth and everything before we could, you know, we had to get, actually go to the council tip. Now though I was never the driver uh, on the road because I hadn't learned to drive yet, my favourite time of day was dropping off the rubbish. That was the highlight of my day. And once at the tip, Steve would give me the keys and then I would, uh, so I could empty the load. So I would reverse up to the pile, press the switch which operated the hydraulic ram, tipping the back up, and then I'd stick it in gear, rev the engine, dump the clutch, and accelerate away from this pile with much flying of earth and the spinning of the rear four wheels. And then I'd slam it in reverse, reverse back as fast as I could, to the pile, stamp on the brakes so that every single grain of dust rolled right out of the back and it was completely empty. Now I confess that to you, I'm glad they didn't catch me at the time and had they, then I would have very quickly become an ex-council employee. But my aim was to get every little bit 
out that we were carrying from the back of the lorry, to drive away carrying nothing, to have left all of the burden at the tip. And that is what prayer is supposed to be like. We're all carrying various loads. We are burdened, we are heavily laden with stuff that we don't want to carry and we have no peace as long as we're carrying it around with us. Prayer in this situation is taking it to God by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving and leaving it with him. Let him carry the burden. We don't need to carry any more. Not just telling him about our problems and then when we're done gathering them all up again and taking them with us. Uh, or not dumping the load at the tip and then before leaving, shoveling it back in the lorry. But leaving our concerns, leaving the things which are weighing us down, leaving them with God. In the Apostle Peter's first letter, he writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Dump it all on him. He wants to take it off us because he cares for us. So in every situation, present your request to God. And then he continues here in verse 7. And the result will be this. The peace of God, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We go to him with our anxiety-producing situations. We dump our burden on him, and he gives us something in exchange, his peace. A peace which, Paul says, transcends all understanding. A peace which is beyond reasonable. It's really hard to understand. Some of you will have had the experience, as I have, of just being incredibly peaceful about something, and it surprised you. You've been in this phenomenal, you know, you've got a beautiful house you're about to buy and then the chain fittings to break and you're holding it together and, and all this is going on and yet somehow you find yourself at peace. And you may have thought, I, I shouldn't be this peaceful about this. Surely it's not natural just how at peace I am and how I'm feeling despite these incredible circumstances. It passes your understanding. And it's also beyond the understanding of others. You know, many a person has come to faith in Jesus as a result of seeing a close friend go through some awful situation and yet have a peace because they're a believer, they're a follower of Jesus, have a peace throughout which is just beyond comprehension. It transcends all understanding. I'm reminded of Kevin and Anne who were part of Trent here for many years. Some of you will remember them. Kevin was extremely ill. He was terminally ill with cancer. And yet throughout his illness, those closing months of his life, their home was full of peace. Kevin was so personally interested in every nurse who visited their home that before long they would find themselves pouring out their problems to him. Kevin and Ann both demonstrated what this text is talking about, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, keeping them, guarding their hearts, guarding their minds. In the midst of severe and terminal illness. It was such an inspiring and such a beautiful thing to witness. God's peace will guard your heart and mind and in so doing, keep at bay those feelings, those thoughts of anxiety that weigh us down, enabling us to live light, live light 
to live light, not overly concerned about our circumstances. Like that council pickup lorry, when it was full of a ton of earth and branches, you could feel it. It was a very low-powered engine, just on a low, you know, slight incline, changing down to second, and you know, just to get up the hill. When it was empty, it cornered and accelerated and handled much easier. We know that because Steve, I won't give you his surname in case you report him, he was a racing driver in his spare time. And my goodness, you can get a six-wheel vehicle drifting sideways on a roundabout. <clears throat> um, it handled well. That's the point I'm trying to make, isn't it? Because it wasn't heavily laden. When we take those things that are causing us concern to the Lord, we can entrust them to his care. We can be at peace. God is in control. Nothing, therefore, is out of control. He loves you and me completely. And he is completely good. And so we have confidence that we can rest in his care, in the sovereignty of God. While circumstances are messed up in this world, that is the reality. He is ultimately in control. Sometimes we don't understand how that can be working out, but he is ultimately in control. The Puritans many years ago used to say that the sovereignty of God is a soft pillow for anxious heads. The sovereignty of God is a soft pillow for anxious heads. And it's true. Knowing we are cared for by the one who is in charge of the universe is incredibly comforting. And so Paul says the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. But in the next verse, he goes immediately on to effectively say, guard your own heart and mind. He says here in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What we spend our lives thinking about and filling our lives with has a marked impact on our peace of mind. In what we might read, in what we might watch on TV, on Netflix or wherever, what we view on social media, what we talk and joke about with others, what internet sites we click on, if they are in line with Paul's list there, we will find ourselves much more peaceful than if we fill our lives with the opposite, with things which are untrue and worthless and wrong and impure and worthy of criticism, the opposites of all the words that he's just said there. Those things put something of a barrier between us and God. And Paul then summarizes with this, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, so the things that I've taught you, and also whatever you have seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul said elsewhere, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And Paul here is saying, look at me. You know the troubles I'm going through? I'm imprisoned here in Rome, potentially awaiting execution. But as you read my letter, are you picking up anxiety? No, you're picking up joy. Freedom from anxiety and worry in very stressful circumstances. It doesn't mean, of course, that if we read and listen and think about the right stuff that we're going to be protected from difficulties. Remember, Jesus warned us, in this life we will have trouble. But when we invest in the things of God, when we guard our hearts, we are so much more equipped to cope with the difficulties that life throws at us. In verse 7, 
Paul says, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. And in verse 9, he says, the God of peace will be with you. There's uh, the nearness of the God of peace and the peace of God are interrelated. As we put in practice what we see Paul uh, saying here, we become closer to the God of peace. As we fill our minds with the things that Paul lists, we come closer to the God of peace. And as we come closer to the God of peace, the peace of God comes close to us. For some of you, this message today speaks right into your current situation. For others of us, it's worth remembering when at some point in the future, we find ourselves getting worried, getting anxious. And just to remember that little visual image with the little yellow photographs I found here, lorry a lot younger than the one we were driving. To use the council lorry analogy, as soon as we have a load in the back, we'll do well to head for the tip rather than carrying it around for days on end or going to God half-heartedly and tipping it up a little bit or shoveling it back on board and still keeping some. Let it go. Leave it there. Leave your burden in God's lap. He longs to do that for us if we will go to him. And then let's guard our own hearts by filling them with life-giving stuff which will bring us closer to the God of peace in whom we find the amazing experience of the peace of God which transcends all understanding.